we've kind of been in a conversation the past couple of weeks about uh, what it looks like for us to pursue the good life. And one of the things that we said as we talk about this series is that you and I are the sum total of the decisions that we have made. That the, the choices that we have made in the past determine who we are today. And in the same way, the decisions, the, the decisions and choices we make today, they're going to determine who we become in the future and what we do in the future. And so this is why as we have this conversation about the good life, I mean, this is, this is a good thing. I want us to, to have these thoughts. I wanted to talk about resolutions of the things that we do to pursue the good life. But I also want to give us this caution. That the good life is not something that we can create on our own. The good life is not something that you just figure out, well, if I can just do the right steps, then I'll have the good life. In fact, Jesus said in John chapter 10, Jesus says, I came to give you life, and I came to give you abundant life. I came to give you the good life. And so as we have these conversations about New Year's resolutions and decisions and choices that we make because we want more of the good life in this year, and that's good and right, I want us to remember that the good life is rooted in God, on us seeking his wisdom and his plans in our life. So we've had a couple of these conversations that we've talked about today. The choice I'm going to ask you to work with me on today is choosing, to, uh, choosing discipline over regret. Choosing discipline over regret. Now, I will say this. As I have learned preaching, and as I've been in classes, and as, as I've read books about preaching, they always say, this is what you do. When you preach, you have to start with a, a really good story. You have to start with a hook. And so maybe you tell them a really funny joke, and you all know I've gotten really good at telling the really funny jokes. Uh, but they said, when you preach, you have, to, you have to tell a really compelling story that draws people in and makes them want to listen to you. And they said, listen, when you start a sermon, don't ever start a sermon with a negative. So guess what we're going to do today? I've got a negative for you. Here we go. Every one of us, we are going to experience pain in this life. Welcome to the Restoration Church. Like, we want, I want you to feel good. Like, your best life now, Right? Listen, the reality is, we will all experience pain. Sometimes that pain is completely outside of our ability to, to control. Like there's nothing we can do to avoid it. In fact, Jesus taught this same thing. Jesus said in John 16, he said, in the world we will have tribulation. That in the world we will have trouble. That there are times that we are going to deal with pain that are completely outside of our fault. Completely outside of our control. So you might get in a, in a freak accident and have something happen on that way. Uh, you might have someone you love betray you. You might read in the newspaper that your hospital is going to close down and gives you less than a week's notice that it's shutting down. You might have a kid who brings home a cat. Like there are things, there are things that you're going to suffer pain that are completely outside of your control. That was for you, Adam. But the reality is there is some pain that we experience that is completely within our control. That we have a choice in it. Then we look at our life, there are choices that we make that we can choose between one pain or another. For example, you can choose the pain of, or you can choose the pain of obeying your parents and honoring your parents. Or you can choose the pain of the consequences that come later. Right? You have a choice between the pain of, of living within your financial means 
and living within this framework of where you are financially, or you can choose the pain that comes with living outside of your framework and getting a mountain of debt to deal with. You can choose the pain of studying for the test instead of doing whatever else, or you can choose the pain of having to retake the class because you failed the test. We get to choose our pain. Which is why we are having this conversation about choosing the the pain of discipline over the pain of regret. That as we talk about the good life, that if we want to see more of the good life, that we have to be people who are willing to choose the pain of discipline over the pain of regret. And so as we start out, I want to give us a definition for the word discipline. Because we talk about discipline, sometimes that's a little scary. Here's what discipline means. The dictionary says... Discipline is to bring about a state of order or obedience by training or control. That when we exhibit discipline in our lives, that we are bringing about some sort of order or control in our life by training and control. So I redefine that. And here's here's how I'll define discipline for this message today. Discipline is choosing between what you want now and what you want most. Discipline for us today is going to be choosing between what we want most and what we want now. So as we have this conversation about choosing discipline, uh, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 today that Kevin read for us just a few minutes ago. And that text starts out in verse 24 that says, uh, that, that says this. It says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives a prize? Now this is simple like we can understand that there's a race my kids all do cross country and track and all those things everybody runs the race but only one person gets to win the prize unless you're a millennial then you can figure out how everybody gets the prize but that's for another story everybody they join the race and they want to win they want to win the prize and so this is what paul says paul says so run that you may obtain it Paul says, run to win. Now, that right there is probably my life verse. Like, if you don't know anything about me, uh, man, I don't know how I got so competitive. But if you've been around me at any capacity, you know that there's this competitive nature that's inside of me. In fact, when I was growing up on the mean streets of Robertson Elementary School, uh, I was never the biggest guy. But I loved all the sports, so I'd be out there, and because I wasn't the biggest, I learned that I had to uh, grow in other areas. So I learned how to smack talk with the best of them. Like, I'll sit there and play against a guy that's, that's feet taller than I am, but man, I can get into his head because I, uh, don't judge me. My kids, my kids, when they were younger, we'd go outside and we're playing whatever game outside we're doing, whatever, whatever sport. And the boys would run in, they're crying, they're crying, and, and, my, and my wife's like, what's wrong, what's wrong? And they're like, daddy, beat me again. It's terrible, I know. I just have this competitive nature. My wife, we can't play Scrabble together. We cannot play Scrabble together because it always is going to end in a problem. Listen, don't judge me. I'm competitive. You all got your issues as well. That's just where I'm at. So I love this verse. I love that Paul says, listen, If you're going to run, run to win. And he continues. And he says, every athlete, they exercise self-control in all things. This means that an athlete, that there's a discipline that goes into their training. That if the goal is to win, that there's a a discipline that goes as they prepare for that race. This is where an athlete has to choose between 
what they want most and what they want now. Because what they want most is to be in tip-top shape so they can run their best and try and, and obtain the prize. Now, maybe what they want now is maybe a cupcake and a nap. And they've got to choose between what I want most and what I want now. And when they choose what they want most, that leads to a discipline that comes to their training. In fact, when Paul wrote this to the Corinthian church, uh, they would have looked at this and they would have thought of their modern-day Olympics, uh, which would have been called the Ismidian Games. And this is where the runners, as they prepared for this race, there was this incredible discipline that would go into it. And so for, for 10 months before the race, these runners would start this extreme uh, uh, training process where they would cut out all junk food, they would cut out uh, alcohol, and they would spend all this time running. In fact, uh, they would expose their bodies to extreme heat and extreme cold, trying to allow that to shock their bodies to be stronger so they could run the race in hopes of winning the race. Uh, the book of Hebrews I love it. It has some similar imagery to this idea of, of running a race. And the author of Hebrews says that you run the race set before us. And then he says that you let us also lay aside every weight and every sin which clings so closely to us. And so they're saying if you're going to discipline yourself to run a race and to be an athlete, you're going to set aside all the extra weights and all the things that will cling to you. And let me just tell you what they're talking about. Like when you think about running uh, what clings to you, these guys would take off everything. They'd run naked. They'd run naked because that clings to them. Now, I'm just going to say, if I'm running in a race and there's a bunch of naked guys, I'm going to run, I'm going to get first. Like, I'm not going to come behind. Like, I'm, I'm going all out. There's no way. Uh, but you have this idea where this is, there's this incredible discipline and focus where athletes, they choose what they want most over what they want now in order to get the prize, to win the race. Now, let me tell you, maybe you've missed this. Uh, we're not talking about specifically athletes today. This is an analogy towards life. And Paul is saying, hey, we should live our lives not just to survive. That we should live our lives to actually win the race, to obtain the end. That we should discipline all that we can through this life. And in fact, for us as Christians, isn't it more important that we win? Isn't it more important that we win? Because look what Paul says. He says, they do it to receive an imperishable wreath, but we do it for an imperishable reward. So our little soccer team, our kids play in the soccer team, they're going to get a little plastic trophy at the end and feel really good about it. But for us as followers of Jesus, what do we run our race for? What do we live our lives for? Not just a cheap plastic trophy. We are pursuing an eternal inheritance, an eternal prize from God. We run our race. We live our life to, to honor and glorify God, the creator of all things. And so we have higher stakes for our race, for how we live and how we run the race. This is why Paul says, listen, we need to run not just to finish in second place or third place or finish. We need to run to win because that plastic trophy is going to be thrown up in your parents' basement at some point and shoved into a box. But we as Christians, we're running the race of our life for an eternal prize, for life with God in eternity, which is so much greater than a gold medal. We have much more at stake. And so Paul is saying, listen, 
We are to be like athletes. We are to learn how to have discipline in our life, to choose what matters most over what we want now. And I want to just right here, I want to just pause right here and help you begin to to think through this. I want to give you two questions to help you not just hear this theoretical idea about I'm supposed to discipline my life so I win this eternal prize. I want to give you some applications to take this really home for you. First question I want to ask you this morning. What is it you want most in your life? When you start thinking about this coming year, you start thinking about your relationships, you start thinking about what is it that you want most in your life? Now, I'm going to ask you, don't say something stupid. Don't say like, oh, I want to win the lottery. Oh, I want, I want, uh, I want, uh, uh, I want Meghan Markle to get out of the picture so I can marry Prince Harry. I'm going to go back to the, to the queen and the royalty. Like, like, don't say something dumb. I want you to actually think about your life. Think about something real. Think about something godly. What is it you want most in your life? And here's what I want you to do. I want you to take a pen out or maybe your phone, and I want you to write that down. Answer that question for yourself. What is it you want most in your life? Write that down. Maybe you need to, maybe it's that season where you recognize, man, I need to take God seriously. I need to really grow my relationship with God. Maybe if you're like, man, I need to get out of debt. Like, I've got all this debt, and it's weighing me down, and it's constricting me. Maybe for you, you're looking, you're like, man, I need to get in shape. Like, I need to get actually round as a shape. I need to get a different shape and, and, and do something with health-wise. Maybe for you, you're like, man, I, I, I need to focus on my marriage. Like, me, like, maybe for you, your marriage is in a bad spot, and you're like, we need to do an SOS. Maybe for you, you're like, man, my marriage isn't bad. It's just not great. And I want to not just tolerate average to pursue something greater. What is it that you want most in your life? I know for some of us in this room, the temptation is going to be, man, I've got a list. I've got a list of all these things I want most. You know, I want to stop smoking. I want to stop doing crack. I want to stop gambling. I'm going to stop robbing banks. I'm going to stop shooting people. Listen, that's reality for some of us. Some of us, we have very undisciplined lives. But what I want you to do is I want you to think of one thing. What is the one thing that you want most in your life? And start with just one. Because what happens is once you start finding victory in that one area, man, it becomes so much easier that by the power of God, you start finding victory in other areas by saying, hey, I'm going to choose discipline in this one area. So what is it you want most in your life? What is it you want most this year? Write it down. Listen, I, I asked you guys last week to, to write down something, and some of you didn't do it. So I'm sensitive. Take your finger and fake it. Make it look like you're writing something down for me. Make me feel good about myself. And just answer that question for you. What is it you want most in your life? And here's the second question I'm going to ask you. Number one, what is it you want most in your life? Number two, what do you need to choose now to achieve what you want most? Number one, what is it you want most? Number two, what do you need to choose now to accomplish that? And I'm just going to say, like, you guys are smart people. I think you can figure it out. I think you can uh, figure it out. Like, you want to grow closer to God? You want the blessing of God in your life? Man, well, maybe for you it's, it's making a commitment to be at church and, and plugging into the church and being at church every week. 
Maybe for you that means you need to, to get a Bible app and start, you know, get, getting the Bible app on your phone and start reading the Bible on a daily basis and follow a Bible plan. Maybe for you that means you need to start praying more. You need to start gathering with other Christians and, and allowing other Christians to, to help you figure this Christian thing out. Uh, maybe uh, whatever it is, you take a step to achieve what you want most. What is that for you? Maybe for you, you talk about getting in better shape and maybe losing some weight. So that first step for you would be joining a gym or getting one of those online videos that you can play at home. Uh, maybe it means you change your diet. Like, I don't know. Like, I've just heard that Taco Bell is not good for wanting to lose weight. I've had to wrestle that with myself. Taco Bell, avoid it. Maybe for you, you say, well, what I want most, what I want most is to improve my relationship, to improve my marriage. So what are you going to do to do that? Maybe that means you need to actually make a date night with your spouse every week and make that commitment, hey, we're going to go on a date and we're going to go and do this, spend this time together. Maybe that means for you and your spouse, you actually need to put time in your schedule to start having some conversations about some of those topics that create conflict but you will kind of avoid. Maybe for you, you need to start praying together. That there's this spiritual intimacy that happens when a husband and a wife begin to pray together. Man, I'll tell you, like this has been an awkward thing for me, but when I make that commitment to pray with my wife, there's this spiritual intimacy that comes from just making that choice of, hey, let's hold hands and let me just pray for us right now. Maybe, maybe your marriage just needs a complete overhaul, like it's barely hanging on. Listen, maybe that means for you, your next step will be calling a counselor and saying, hey, we need a third party to come and help us figure out how to resolve these issues because we can't get anywhere by ourselves. What is the next step you need to take to accomplish what you want most? Maybe for you, it's getting out of debt. You want to get out of debt. So I'm going to ask you, have you made a budget? Are you living within your means? And I would even recommend this. We've got a book on the resource table, Dave Ramsey, Financial Peace. Man, go through that book and take some steps to get yourself out of debt, to get yourself financially free. I know that when we look at some of these things, sometimes you look and we're like, man, that sounds, that sounds hard. That sounds difficult, you know, changing my diet. That's difficult to do. Uh, praying with my spouse, that's awkward. Counseling can be expensive, I get it. But this is where, listen, we have a choice, that we get to choose our pain. We get to choose our pain. We can choose the pain of discipline, or we can choose the pain of regret. Number one, what is it you want most in this life? Number two, what are you, what, what, what's the first step you need to take to accomplish that? And look back at the, the imagery that Paul uses in 1 Corinthians 19. I love this. Uh, Paul says in verse 26, he says, I do not run aimlessly. I don't box as one beating the air. Instead, I discipline my body and I keep it under control. And I love this because when Paul says, I do not run aimlessly, the, the New Living Translation says, I run with purpose. I run with purpose. There's an intentionality to every step I take. Now, I know some of us in here were like, hey, you know, this idea of discipline, this works really good. There are some people who are naturally disciplined. Like, like some people just naturally, they're good at discipline. I have a, one of my sons, one of these naturally disciplined people. And so he sets his alarm. He keeps moving his alarm up earlier and earlier and earlier. So he gets up long before I do in the morning. 
because he likes to have all the time to make his breakfast and to read his Bible, and he's going to go and, and make his lunch, and not make his lunch like throw like some chips in a bag, but he cuts up the vegetables and, and puts a little ranch in there and, and gets it all nicely set up. Me, I, I'm not naturally disciplined. That's a lot harder for me. Like I'm the guy that my alarm goes off, and I see how many times I can push snooze before I actually have to get out of bed or I'll be late. I'm so undisciplined, like, if I'm sitting down and I hear the kids in the other room fighting, like, I don't want to get up and deal with it. I'm like, grab some boxing gloves and let me know who wins. Like, I'm just, I'm not the naturally disciplined per person. And this is why, if you are in that situation with me and you're like, I'm just not naturally disciplined, this is why Paul tells us we do not run aimless, aimlessly, but that we run with purpose. There's an intentionality to the decisions that we make. Let me try and paint a picture for you of, of what this looks like. Imagine, imagine that what we want most is we want a beautiful garden. We want a beautiful yard. Imagine, imagine every day you walk out your front door and all you want to see is just a beautiful garden out there, a beautiful yard. The problem is your mailbox is way over in the corner, corner of the yard. And so you're thinking, okay, well, well, I want this beautiful garden. That's what I want most. And so for me to check my mail, what I have to do is walk out on the sidewalk, go around to the driveway, take the driveway up to the other sidewalk, and then walk all the way across. It's kind of a long route. It's kind of frustrating to have to take the extra time. But what you want most is the beautiful garden, the beautiful yard. Till that one day you wake up, you go outside, you want to go check the mail. You're like, what's the shortest route to my mailbox? Oh, it's right through the yard. It's just this quick shot. And you think, well, just once it's not going to matter, right? And so you take the shortcut. You run right through the yard. You check the mail. You look back and you're like, well, it didn't hurt anything. You know, there's no, the grass looks fine. The garden looks fine. It's not that big of a deal. You get the mail. You go back. The next day you wake up and you're like, man, that was kind of fun yesterday, right? Like, like nothing happened to the yard, it was, kind of a, it was kind of a thrill, like I did something that was forbidden. It kind of makes me feel like I'm a bad boy. Woohoo! There's nothing wrong with the yard, and so you, you do it again. You get up the next couple days, you do it several more times. And then finally you look. You look back and you see this trail of dead grass. You see all the stuff that's been trampled upon. Your yard now no longer looks beautiful. You don't have the beautiful garden. Why? Because we chose what we want now over what we want most. And this is what Paul is saying. That as we live our lives, we should walk with intentionality. That we need to be disciplined. We need to, to run with purpose. That when we walk out of the house, we stop and we make a choice. I'm going to choose right now. I'm going to choose what I want most and not what I want right now. What I want right now is to find the easiest way to get the meal. But I'm going to choose what I want most, which is to have a beautiful gar garden, a beautiful yard. So I'm going to choose, and every step I'm going to think about walking with intentionality. I'm going to choose to walk around and take the long way. Absolutely, it's going to take a little bit more time. Absolutely, it's going to take more energy. Absolutely, you're going to say, man, this is dumb. There's such an easier and quicker way. But you're going to choose between what you want most and what you want now. And pretty soon, 
when you choose what you want most, when you make that decision, to every step is made with intentionality, with purpose. To go the long way, to give yourself the opportunity to create that beautiful garden. Soon you walk with purpose, you have discipline in your life, and soon it becomes a lot easier to do that. Soon that temptation to cut across the yard, now that temptation is, is, is almost removed because you've just ingrained yourself that, to be a disciplined person, to discipline yourself to go around. Listen, I think this idea can be huge for some of us in here. And so I really want you to wrestle that. What is it you want most in this life? What is it you want most in this life? And it's so important that we actually come up with that because what happens, what's going to happen is our heart is going to tell us something different. Our heart's going to say, listen, I understand this is what you want most in life, but here's what you could have right now. Your heart's going to tempt you time and time and time again to take the easy road, to take the shortcut. To, to, to choose what you want now. And the heart is going to just continue to put that temptation in front of you. And this is where, listen, as Christians, we have to say, I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop. Before I go, I'm going to stop. And I'm going to make a choice. I'm going to choose to take every step with intentionality. I'm going to choose what I want most over what I want now. I'm going to choose not to take the path that's going to destroy the garden that I want most. I'm going to choose to take the path that's going to give me what I want, which is that beautiful garden. Listen, this plays out in so many areas. This plays out in so many areas of our life. I mean, we want things. We want a new car. We want a new phone. We want a new TV. We want a new whatever it happens to be, right? And what's the easiest path for us to get that? Debt. Well, we can go into debt and get whatever we want whenever we want it. But what is it you want most? Actually, what I want most is to not have that looming debt over me. I want to be able to free to choose what to do with my own money. I want to be free to give generously to the people around me. And so you make a choice. I'm going to make a choice, and every step I'm going to take with purpose to choose what I want most over what I want now, to choose to save, choose not to spend right now until I can afford it. That's taken in living our life with purpose and intentionality. Look at this same idea with sex. Sex belongs within the confines of marriage. This is what God says. Not because God's a prude. Not because God doesn't care. But because God loves us enough, he's trying to protect us. Right? I mean, how many people do we know that have kids with someone that they don't love, have kids with someone they don't want to spend time with, all because they wanted sex now instead of what God said. I imagine if you were to talk to that person, they would never say, well, I, what I want most is to have a child with someone I don't care about. I imagine they would say, what I want most is, is to spend my life with someone who loves me and I love them and we can raise our child together. This is a choice between what you want most and what you want now. Men, Men, reality is pornography is a click away on our cell phones. Listen, our sinful heart says, listen, you can take a peek right now. Who's going to know? Who's going to care? And this is when, men, we stop and we have to choose to walk with purpose. We have to choose to say, listen, I'm going to honor God. I'm going to honor my spouse. I'm going to fight for purity. I'm going to choose to walk with purpose. I'm going to choose what I want most instead of what I want now. 
Listen, what is it you want most in your life? What is it you want most out of this year? And what are the steps you have to take to achieve it? It's going to require that we walk with purpose. That we choose discipline over regret. That we choose what we want most instead of what we want now. And I'm going to just pause right here. Because, you know, I've been at church at times and I hear a message like this. And I get really convicted. Man, I need to try harder. Man, I've got all these areas of my life that I know I'd like to see, I'd like better in. And what I want most is to have victory in these areas. And so I hear a message like this, and I'm like, man, I need to try harder. You know, uh, I'm determined to try harder. And I walk out of church, and I try, and then it becomes a struggle. I begin, man, I want this, but I just can't seem to get there. I begin to feel bad, like, 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 man, Kevin, like, you're a Christian. You should, how long have you been a Christian? You should be able to figure this out by now. I begin to feel really bad about myself because what I want most still seems so elusive to me. It becomes a struggle. I know I need to have discipline. I just can't seem to do it. Listen, this is why I love the Bible. I love it. In Romans chapter 7, there's a text that's written by a guy by the name of the Apostle Paul. Paul is a spiritual giant, okay? Paul's a guy who saw the resurrected Jesus. Anybody here seen the resurrected Jesus? Paul saw him. Paul, when he wrote, he wrote Bible. Anybody write Bible? No? Paul wrote a third of the New Testament. This guy, if anybody should be able to figure out this Christian thing, like Paul's the guy, right? He is a spiritual giant. He's a stud. I love this because in Romans chapter 7, verse 15, this is what Paul says. He says, I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want to do, but I do the very thing I hate. Listen, I want you to hear those words. I hope it encourages you because it sure encourages me. That the, the Paul, who's a spiritual giant, he's describing how difficult it is for him to do the right thing. Like, how many of you have actually been there? Man, I hear this message. I know I need to do harder. I need to do better in these areas. And you try, and you're like, man, this is so hard. I can't seem to do it. I mean, this is Paul. In fact, it makes me think about uh, growing up, I was a wrestler. I was a wrestler in high school, and uh, surprise, I didn't wrestle heavyweight. I wrestled a lower weight class. And what happened for me is I always had to cut weight. I always had to cut weight. They always tried to get me to go lower and lower, and I'm like, great, we'll do it. And there's this one match we're getting ready for, and it was a big match. It was a big league match, and uh, the guy that I was going to wrestle against, he had been a state placer the year before. But they're like, Kevin, we think you have a really shot at, at doing something big here. Our team could use the points. Kevin, you could beat this guy. And they're like, Kevin, here's what you need to do. And so they, they, they took me into practice, and I work out really hard. And I'm like a pound and a half off of our weight. We've got weigh-ins the next day at 3 o'clock. So we've got, and the, the coach is like, Kevin, this is great. You're a pound and a half overweight. But we figured out that just by natural body rhythms, if I didn't eat or drink all night long, the next day, I'd show up to school and I, I would have lost about two pounds naturally. And he's like, you're, you'll be great. You, you'll be good to go. Kevin, we don't want you to have to work out tomorrow and lose weight because if you do, you won't have energy for the match that night. And so he's like, you're great. Just don't eat tonight. Okay, so I go home, I go home, and my mom, uh, you know, she, she, she loves me, 
and she knows my love language. And I go home, and on the counter, there's this huge tray of no-bake cookies. Like, I'm talking about, like, like, chocolate and peanut butter and oats. Like, it's just heaven right there. And I'm looking at these cookies, and I'm like, well, I'm a pound and a half overweight. I can probably lose two pounds naturally. That means I should, be able to, I should at least be able to have one cookie, right? Listen, I kid you not, I ate every one of them stinking cookies. I don't even know where it came from. Like, how many of you have ever ate a whole tray of cookies? Like, I've done that. That's me. That is me. I show up the next day, and I'm three and a half pounds overweight. The coach is like, what did you do? Listen, how many of you know that struggle? Am I, am I the only one? Like, I hope someone else is in here is like, yeah. Like, we want to do what's right, but it, it's like we can't do it. We want to do the thing that's good, but, man, it's so hard for us to actually do it. We, we want to choose what we want most, but, man, so often that temptation to choose what we want now is so strong. That's where Paul says in verse 24, he says, Oh, what a wretched man that I am. Who will deliver me from this body of death? In a sense, Paul's like, there's no hope. He's like, I just don't know what's wrong with me. I can't figure this out. I, I, I can't do this on my own. I'm ashamed. I'm embarrassed. I'm frustrated. By now, you would think me as an apostle. I'm, I'm the apostle Paul. I've written the Bible. You think by now I should be able to figure this out to do what I want to do or to do what I want most instead of what I want now. Paul's like, man, I can't figure this out. Who's going to help me? And then there's this quick change in tone. And Paul says in verse 25 of Romans 7, he says, but thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. He's like, you know what? Thanks be to God. Because the answer is not me being better. The answer is not me being stronger. The answer is not me trying harder. The answer is Jesus Christ our Lord. In fact, this is a key to this entire message. That on our own, on our own, we are prone to make the wrong choice. But with the power of Jesus, with Jesus' strength, he can enable us and give us the strength not to choose what we want now, but to choose what we want most. That with the help of Jesus, that we can choose the pain of discipline over the pain of regret. Do you understand this? The, the, the power for us being a disciplined person, the power for us running to win, the power for us choosing between what we want most and what we want now is not me being stronger. The power is Christ in me because he is stronger than the bad desires within me. This is what Paul's saying. This is his whole point, that Christ in me is stronger than my weak flesh. The key to us having discipline, the key to us seeing what we want most instead of what we want now, is Jesus' strength in us. In fact, Paul said elsewhere in Scripture, he said, when I'm weak, God's made strong. When I'm weak, that's when God is the strongest. And so this is where, where, where we want to do right, but we can't. This is where when we want to we choose what we want most, but man, that temptation to choose what we want now is so difficult. This is why we say, who can help us? Paul's like, Jesus. Jesus. Jesus is there to help. He's the one who empowers us to accomplish this. And this is where Paul, I can imagine him in this room saying, listen, what is it that you want most? 
What is it that you want most? Who's going to help you? Who's going to help your marriage? Your marriage that's on the rocks, your marriage that just isn't flourishing, who's going to help you? Who, who's going to help you get out of debt? Who's going to help you choose not to go buy the new cell phone right now just because it came out with a new one? Who's, who, who's going to help you choose between what you want most and what you want now? Who's going to choose, who's going to help you choose to get out of the addiction that you've been stuck in? Listen, the answer is not you trying harder. The answer is not you figuring out a new system. Paul's very clearly the answer is Jesus. The answer is Jesus. Jesus is the one who empowers us to live with discipline. He's the one who empowers us to, to run our life, to win that eternal prize. He's the one that, that empowers us to run and take every step with purpose, to choose between what we want most and what we want now. This is Galatians chapter 2. Paul says, I am crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but now it's Christ who lives in me. I get passionate about these things because I love you all. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. If we don't do something today about what we want most in our life, very likely that's going to become our greatest regret. How many of you have had that? You look back on your life and the greatest regret, man, there's something I really want, something I want most in life, but I didn't do anything about it, and now that becomes my greatest regret. That marriage fell apart. The debt has constricted me today. Here's the bottom line. Every one of us, we have a choice. This is why for someone here today, Today's going to be the day that everything changes for you. Because you're going to walk out of these doors and you're going to say, listen, this is what I want most. I wrote it down. This is what I want most. You're going to walk out of here and you're going to take that step with purpose. And you're going to choose. You're going to choose to stay off the grass. You're going to choose to stay out of the yard. And you know what? one of the amazing things about God is he is a God of redemption. He's a God who redeems. In fact, this, that's probably the reason why I do what I do. Because I love seeing God redeem the things that we've broken. That God takes the places that we've trampled upon and he makes the grass grow again. He makes the flowers bloom again. More beautiful than before. That God takes our brokenness and our junk and he redeems it and he renews it. And he takes our mess and turns it into a message. Listen, we have a choice to make. The choice is to choose what we want most over what we want now. The choice is to take every step with purpose. The choice is that we lean into Jesus and his strength. And that as we lean into his strength, that's when we become disciplined. That's when God redeems and renews our brokenness. That through the power of Jesus, we can be people.
who choose discipline over regret. That through the power of Jesus, those things that we want most in our life, God can lead us to. Pray for him.